Okay, so we're gonna have some fun today. All right? All right? All right, there you go. 11 years ago today, to the day, I taught this church an expression that if you were here, I almost guarantee you remember. In fact, if you were here the last time I spoke on January 13th, and you remember it, please raise your hand. One, two, three, four. John, Johnny Naylor was here. Four, five, something like that. Not many of you. That means either you're all new to Mendham in the last 11 years, or you slept through that one 11 years ago. And actually, I know you didn't sleep through that one, uh, and I'll tell you why in a few minutes. 11 years ago, uh, I was just a part-time church employee. I was a full-time private equity investor. Uh, 11 years ago, my kids, oh, I was like the postcard little family. I had kids from 5 to 15, and now Courtney's buying a house. John lives in New York City. Caleb's almost done with college, and Caroline's looking at them. 11 years ago, much like this morning, the Dallas Cowboys are still in search of an NFC championship. <laughs> 11 years. <laughs> Goes by pretty quick. In fact, I wanted to go back and get a picture of my family uh, to show you what, how much has changed in 11 years. So I went to my Facebook account, because that's where we all keep our pictures now, I guess, right? Like, I don't have any pictures. So I went back into my Facebook uh, page to look back for a picture 11 years old. You know what I found? I wasn't on Facebook 11 years ago. There are no pictures there. I can't even show them to you. But if you were here 11 years ago, to this day, I taught you a saying. Oh, it was a good saying. See, some of you remember it. A little bit more of a life mantra, if you will. I'm surprised a few of you haven't crocheted this onto a pillow at home. I think you should. And so with the hindsight of 11 years in our rearview mirrors as a church, I want to look back at that day, 11 years ago, to this day, and then look forward and once again reclaim the power and the promise and the majesty and the purpose of this, these words for 2019. Are you ready? Yes. It was that talk, I believe in 2008, that got me the gig of being the New Year's speaker at Mendham Hills, even though I was just a part-timer. That and my love for belief in the promise of a new year. You see, here's my take on it. I know I'm getting old, but I have not given up yet. Maybe I'm a fool, but I have not given up yet on the whole New Year's Eve resolution thing. I still believe in them 11 years later. You see, I think New Year's is not merely the invention of Dick Clark, but it is the ordained plan of God. I think, stick with me, okay? I think the concept of a new year and the hope and the change that we start to think through for ourselves, hope for, believe in, plan for, I think that's all part of God's divine plan for you. Here's why. Think about this. We have this wonderfully creative God who set the moon and the stars and the sun into motion. In fact, the psalmists proclaim that the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. And I think what they're declaring, one of the things, includes the idea that it is God 
who ordained the concept of hope and promise for a new year. Because, if you think about it, God did not have to set the earth into a remarkably predictable orbit around the sun. Every time we go around the sun, it lasts 365 and one quarter day. And when it lasts remarkably predictably, like it does, 365 and one quarter day, it results in the repetitive and predictable outcome of seasons. Winter and then spring and then summer and then fall. And then winter and spring and summer and fall. Now see, God could have chosen randomness. You know, you don't know what's going to come every day. This morning it's freezing cold. Tomorrow you get up, it's 95, right? You're opening the pool, you're closing the pool. You're opening the pool, you're closing the pool. You're, you're, you're mad. Ladies, what would you be wearing? But that's not God. God chose to create this repetitive design. We're going to do it again. And then we're going to do it again. And then we're going to go again, do it again. God could have chosen to make the weather the same every day. No seasons, everything's just the same. It's like the whole earth is San Diego, right? You just wake up every day and nothing ever changes. But that's not what he did. God chose order. And I think these times and the days in that order, they result in this concept. It doesn't have to be January 1st, okay? But they result in the concept of another orbit, another chance to get it right. This time around, it's going to be different. Think about it, right? God is the God of transformation and change and rebirth and renewal. So... I know as we get a little older, year after year, we tend to give up on the whole New Year's resolution front. Speaking of resolutions, one of my kids came down, we're on New Year's Eve, and I'm a, I mean, I'm a fool, I'm always in my head going, okay, this is the year I'm going to do a couple things different. Here's what I'm going to do, here's what I'm going to do. One of my kids came down and I said, uh, you have any resolutions? And uh, they said, yes, I resolve to do absolutely nothing different next year. I'm going to be just as awesome in 2019 as I was in 2018. <laughs> I said, that's pretty good. <laughs> But I think we tend to give up on making resolutions, not because we think we're all that awesome. It's that our history tells us that we're not that good at keeping resolutions. To steal a concept from Seinfeld about reservations, the problem is not making the resolution. The problem is keeping the resolution. And since we failed in the past and we don't like failure, what we tend to do is go, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore because it doesn't work. In fact, I just found this out this week. This talk is pretty timely. I just found out, well, I didn't just find this out. Yesterday was January 12th. Do you know what January 12th is, statistically speaking? It is D-Day for New Year's resolutions. It is the day most people give up on their good intentions and fall back into the old habits. I can't wait for some of you people to get out of my gym. <laughs> Strava, the social network for athletes, looked at more than 31.5 million online entries and found out that January 12th is the day when most people bail out on their resolutions. And according to research by the University of Scranton, only 8% of people meet their New Year's goals. Now look, I know that you might have failed in the past. But you cannot give up on the power of transformation in your life. 
And see, that's where these words that I taught you so many years ago come from. The reason they stuck with lots of people that day and this day is not just because they're powerful, but it's because they were preached powerfully. And I'm going to tell you why. Because this sermon is going to be participatory. The first service I said participative. Some know it all corrected me. (laughs) Participatory. Now, when I gave this talk 11 years ago, a couple weeks before, I had just spoken at the Market Street Mission graduation. I love you all, but you're a very different crowd than the Market Street Mission graduation crowd. You see, when you speak to the Market Street Mission graduation crowd, that's like a conversation. It's like a good back and forth. I sense it. I talk to them. They talk to me. And so I was all fired up. And then I came back here and started talking at Menem again. And I'm like, huh, this is missing something. You know what's missing? Participation. So we're going to participate. Now, I'm not going to ask you to do anything too hokey. I'm not going to tell you to tap your neighbor on the shoulder and tell him something or any of that stuff, right? And I'm also, look, I would love for the Spirit of God to be at work this morning, but I'm not going to take any chances, and we're going to take matters into our own hands. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to tell you what to say, and I'm going to tell you when to say it. You with me? You can't. How bad could it be? You almost can't mess this up. Are you with me? All right. This has got to be boisterous, raucous, because I'm going to be back up here in another 11 years. Right? And I'm going to need some of you to remember this day. All right. I need you to get ready. Because what I'm about to teach you is so profound. You're going to encourage each other with these words. You're going to inspire each other with, with these words. Truth be told, people still write these words on my Facebook page. Somebody wrote these words on my Facebook page this week. Some of you might remember them for others. Oh, man, you might want to take out a pen. You're going to be blown away by their power. There's just four of them, four words. But strung together correctly, as I'm about to do, there is more hope and promise in these words. Are you ready? Here they are. Pen's out. It's only January 13th. You're welcome. (laughs) That's right. It's only January 13th. See, yesterday was the 12th. It was the day for most of us. In fact, 80, 90% of us gave up. Yesterday is a day for losers, but not here at Menden Mills Community Church. Do you want to know why? Because... No, no, no. See, first service was so much better than this. And you're supposed to be the late service. You're supposed to have energy. January 12th is when we give up. That doesn't happen here. We are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ who died and was resurrected from the grave and said, I'm going to empower you with the same power to overcome things in your life and be transformed. The same power that took me out of the grave can take you out of yours. Stop giving up on transformation in your life. That's for January 12th, people. We don't believe that here at Men Mills Community Church. Do you want to know why? Because... 
That's it. It's only January 13th. The year, I mean, stick with me. The year still holds all of its promise for you. The potential for change. How bad could you have screwed this up so far? Not that bad. Don't give up. New Year's is like this gift that God gives us because he didn't allow randomness. It's like he says, pause and look at this. It's a gift. Open it up. Now, I did some work on this because these change. For 2019, anybody have any idea what the number one New Year's resolution was for 2019? Lose weight. Here's the good news. Uh, that's down. It was 41% of uh, the resolutions in 2018, down to 38%. So either people shed a few pounds or they just are going to be fat and happy. Um, now, right after that, um, the number two resolution for 2019. Take a guess. Somebody said it. Save money. Save money which is interesting, right? It wasn't some of the other things you would think. The number two resolution, save money, uh, 37% made that resolution, and that's up six points from 2018. And another big mover, this is one I wouldn't have seen coming, was uh, people resolving to travel, 24%, up 18% as a priority from the year before. Now, maybe you're one of these folks. Maybe you're, for example, maybe you're part of the 40% that have decided this is the year to lose some weight. See, I know, I've been there. I know what it is, I know. You were out on New Year's Eve, right? Remember when you looked over at your spouse and you said, I, look, I am gonna drink like a fish and eat like a pig because tomorrow dawns a new day, honey, so I just gotta get it all in right now because tomorrow everything's gonna be different. So I'm going to eat real, I'm going to stuff myself, but then tomorrow it's going to be different. And you were good for a little while. I mean, remember, I, see, I know, you woke up January 1st, said, yeah, what well, today doesn't really count, it's a holiday, right? I'm going to start tomorrow, because I go back to work tomorrow, you know, tomorrow is when it's going to start. And you did, you made your lunch on January 1st, you made your lunch, because we all know you can't eat healthy when you have a job. So you made your lunch for a day or two. But I mean, let's just be honest about a couple things. Number one, that dollar menu at McDonald's is just so tempting, isn't it, right? It's so easy. And the next thing you know, the meal prep thing, I mean, the meal prep thing, that's for the birds. And actually, eating healthy is too, right? It's hard, it's expensive, it takes time, it tastes like cardboard. A couple weeks in now, when you, you know, the truth is, you're already thinking about Wendy's on the way home, aren't you? I mean, I know. I have four words for you. Four words of power and hope. Oh, they're so good. It's still the new year. Listen, I'm not even joking about this because what you eat does matter. How you treat your one and only God-given, God-designed body matters. 
This is not a principle of vanity. It's a principle of stewardship over your one and only body. It's not just a practical issue. It's a physical issue. It's a spiritual one. It matters. You are mind, soul, and spirit, right? But your body contributes to that. Your physical nature contributes to it. As you are physically, so you shall be oftentimes spiritually. It matters. And it's not too late. Do you want to know why? Because it's only January 13th. I mean, how much heavier are you really? It's not too late. Go home today. Here's, I'm going to give you some instructions. Here, I want you to stop at ShopRite on your way home. But you can only stay in the outside aisles of ShopRite. You cannot venture anywhere in. In is death. Out is life. Right? Just stay on the outside. Now, I want you to go home, and I want you to get a gym membership. Actually, I don't. You know why? Because I know most of you. You have a gym membership. You just don't go to the gym. It's time to stop being a sucker. Go back to the gym. Pay for a little trainer. Invest in yourself. Join a diet club. Come up with a menu. Come up with a plan. Don't give up. I have to tell you, I'm not really good at a lot of my resolutions. I made this one a couple of years ago. And I stuck with it, and it really has impacted me in every way. I have more energy. Uh, I go to the gym probably four, some, on a good week, six times, on a bad week, three to four times. It's, it's impacted the way I treat my family. It, it, it's impacted me spiritually. I'm telling you, this is a significant resolution. You do not have to give up on this. You should not give up on this. Now, there's other things we have to deal with. I have a friend, comes to our church, he's trying to stop drinking. Now, he's tried to stop before, and guess what? It worked for a little while. He made a resolution. I'm going to stop drinking, and then he did. And it's funny. He sent me a pic. He, he told me a couple weeks ago, I'm going, to, I'm going to try it again. Another lap around the sun. I'm going to give this another go. And so he's, he's underway, and he sent me a text message a couple days ago with his calendar, and it's got the X's on the days so far in a row that he hasn't had anything to drink. And what I love about him is he's not giving up. Yeah, I failed before, but I understand the concept of a new year. I have another chance at this. This could be the year. Look, he knows he needs to stop. He knows the addiction. I mean, he, he, he functions. He has a job. But he understands that he's gotten himself enslaved to this. It's eating his lunch. And he's not giving up. Now, how about you? Here's what I know. I know that a lot of us struggle with alcohol. I know we are a people prone to addiction. I'm going to read you the top 10 addictions, and I bet you one of these you're going to go, yeah, I, I probably... Because it's not just alcohol. Number one is alcohol. Number two, um, number two is smoking. Number three is drug addiction. Those we know. Number four, gambling. Is it funny how all this stuff gets so much easier to do, too, now? Right? Like gambling, I just pull my phone out. I could bet on the cowboys and lose money. <laughs> Food addictions, things not going right, what am I going to do? I'm going to eat. How about this one? Number six, video games, wiping out a generation of kids. Number seven, internet addictions. Number eight, sex addictions. Number nine, shopping, a little retail therapy, right? And number 10, and I, I know a lot of guys struggle with this, work addiction. Work, 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 work. If I work... People think I'm great. People think I'm great. I build up an ego. If I build up an ego, I feel good about myself. I'm just going to work. My identity is my work. 
But you've promised yourself, I'm not going to do it anymore. Hangover after hangover, destroyed relationship after destroyed relationship, wasted days after wasted days, credit card woes growing, marriage faltering, health failing. Just two weeks ago, you had hope. You thought it was going to be different. But you dropped the ball, and you got a little voice in your head. I don't know if your voice is like my voice, but my voice goes, goes something like this. Yeah, you did it again. It's too late. Broke the seal. Year's over. Just bag it. It'll be January again. Don't worry about it. Comes around really quick. You're getting old. Because it tells me it's too late. But, but we all get ourselves enslaved to these things that we don't want to be ruled by. Jesus came in order that we might be set free from the laws. There is a law that governs these things in our lives. These laws of sin and death. He didn't just come to give you eternal life. He came to give you life right now. This is the year it could all change for you. Go, get yourself in a group. Go to AA or NA. Put some locks on your browser. Get some accountability software. Get an accountability partner. Tell somebody your stuff. You know, sin, when you bring it out into the light, it loses all of its power. You know, there is hope. Yesterday was January 12th. The little voice in a lot of heads yesterday went off and said, blew it again. Not true. Do you know why? Because it's only January 13th. Ain't nothing over. Now, I want to share with you a key principle about this that underlies the whole thing when it comes to New Year's and resolutions. And it's actually more powerful than that. It's a key biblical principle, and it echoes across the millennia of biblical writings. From creation's dawn in Genesis to its fulfillment in Revelation, the authors and the Bible keep coming back to a big concept that comes up again and again, and it is one that I have to tell you I have growing familiarity with. Those 11 years since I talked to you guys about this concept have gone by... In like a minute, my kids were young, little, and now they're old and half are gone. All the things I planned to do, all the family devotions I was going to have, all of the game nights, all of the talks, all of the family dinners, all the time slipped by and it's gone. Just on a personal note, parents, I'm just, I'm just telling you as a dad, I mean... I, there were so many things I said, you know, I'm going to start that tomorrow. And now they're gone. It goes by really, really quick. See, that's what so many of the writers in Scripture are trying to get us to understand. I don't think you understand how profound this is in the Bible. Let me show you. Here's what Jesus is. I'm going to show you just a couple. I, I, don't, I can't put them all up here for you. Jesus' brother wrote this. What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. The psalmist said, he remembered that they were flesh, talking about God. And then it says, just a passing breeze that doesn't return. Job said, mortals born of women are a few days, they're full of trouble. They spring up like flowers and wither away like fleeting shadows. They don't endure. Chronicle says, our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. The psalmist said, they're like a breath. Their days are like a fleeting shadow. They're swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Remember, O oh God, that my life is but a breath, Job said. He goes on, my, my days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. They, they skim past me like boats of papyrus, like 
He says that your life is like, it's over so quickly, it's like an eagle swooping down on its prey, and then it's gone. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over, and it's gone. And all of the things that you worked your whole life for, and its place remembers it no more. Samuel kind of just says what it is. He goes, look, we, we must all die. We are like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Looking back 11 years later, I can tell you they're right. When I spoke to you 11 years ago, I really was a man in and around my 30s. My 40s are gone. Like in a minute, like in a, in a blink of an eye. I, did, I, I feel like I didn't even engage in them. Like water spilled on the ground. I can't pick them back up. They're, they're, they're gone. The reason the topic is so prevalent in the scriptures is revealed by what Moses wrote. In Psalm 39, he asks for this kind of wisdom. He goes, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Show me, teach me that I don't have a lot of time. Let me know how, let me know. I need to know, this is what I'm trying to teach you this morning. You need to know how fleeting your life is. It's a good prayer for, for us. Moses says, yeah, I mean, all of us intellectually know we're going to die, but it's like we just keep it out here. He goes, I want to live life knowing my life is fleeting. Why? Well, he answers it in another psalm. He says, teach us to number our days. Why? So that we could gain a heart of wisdom. Show me how short my life is, God, so that I might wake up and be wise and live. With the gift of understanding the preciousness of the day. Paul writes, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God. We just walk around. Do you ever walk around just feeling like everybody's half asleep? We all get up, we all do the same thing, we all go to bed, nothing ever changes, nothing ever changes, nothing ever changes, nothing ever changes, <laughs> dead. Right? I should write greeting cards. <laughs> Paul goes, Paul says, wake up! Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is wisdom. You see, January 12th is folly. January 12th is retreat. January 12th is withdrawal. January 12th is eyes closed, back to bed, never going to change. It doesn't matter. I'll do it again next year. It's going to go on forever. My kids are going to be here forever. My wife, she's going to be here forever. My job, it'll go on forever. I'm just saying, nothing's ever going to change. And you know what? Maybe it'll change, but I'll change it next year. I'll get it tomorrow. You don't have to give up or give in. As followers of Jesus, you can't. Nothing is over for you this year. One last time. Do you know why? Because it's only January 13th. If you were here 11 years ago, I shared with you a sociological study of people that they went and talked to that were over the age of 95 years old. And they asked them a simple question. At 95 plus, you've got to imagine you've gained a little wisdom about counting your days aright because you could probably count them on one hand. And they said, you know, at this point in your life, if you were going to go back, what would you do differently? If given the opportunity to, to live life over again, what would you change? Now, there were a lot of answers, as you can imagine, but three tended to stand out over and over and over again. And so we talked about this study 11 years ago. It was so good. Some of you remember it. Some of you have come up to me over time and said, what were those three things again? So I'm going to give them to you again. 
Here they are. And, and here's what I would encourage you to do, is to use these three things to set and make 2019 New Year's resolutions today. Because here's the deal, okay? I mean, look, I, some of you need to lose weight. I know that. I'm not blind. Right? Just kidding. Said it in the first service, wasn't in the notes. I figured I'm in trouble now. I might as well say it second service. Right? I mean, I'm with you, right? So, I mean, we're, look, we can all look around. Some of us probably need to lose some weight. Some of us need to save some money. Some of us need to get out of debt. And sure, maybe you should travel. Here's what I know. You are never going to go home tonight, Google, pick up Amazon, and Google a book and say, I got to get this guy's book because he maintained his ideal weight for 20 years. Because that doesn't inspire anything. No, none of you are going to go home tonight and go and buy a book on a guy who figured out how to retire comfortably. <laughs> because it doesn't inspire anything. We don't write books and read books about those things. These 95-year-olds are on to something more profound. And here's what they're saying. Given the chance to live life over, here's the three things they would do. Number one, they would reflect more. Number two, they would risk more. And number three, they would invest in things that will live on long after they die. Can I tell you, this is a teaching of Jesus. Reflect more. These 95-year-olds said that instead of just letting day after day turn into year after year, they would stop and look around and think and appreciate what's happening. It was, after all, the great philosopher Ferris Bueller that once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. These 95-year-olds came to realize that we have this habit a failure to appreciate or consider the things that we take for granted. We don't give due attention or focus on important things and passionately experience the things that matter most. We do it with our faith all the time. Now, maybe somebody at one point introduced you to the concept that, of Jesus, that, that he came and he, he died for your sins and he loves you, and if you, if you would believe in him, you could go to heaven. And a lot of us are like, okay, I got that check, I believe in him. Do you experience it? Do you reflect on it? Because that's where the power is. I mean, imagine, think about what the scripture is saying happened to you. From the beginning of creation, God chose you to follow him. And he created, he had you birth, the scripture teaches us, you were birthed at just the right time to maximize your potential for finding God. And then Jesus came to earth, the son of God, took the punishment due you and, and exchanged, exchanged his, the blessing due him, exchanged it for your punishment. You get what he's due, he gets what you do, what you do. You're adopted as sons and daughters of the most high God, forgiven. When God looks at you, he doesn't see any of your stuff, just sees the glory of his son. That's all yours You've been forgiven. You have power. You can tap into the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you realize who you are? These 95-year-olds are like, man, if I, if I just stopped every day and just reflected on this instead of just thinking, well, I accepted Jesus, I'm going to go to heaven now, maybe it would have changed my life. How about your family? I mean, here's what I've learned over the last 11 years um, with my family. It is, I mean, maybe the best way to tell it is through a story. 
So when my kids were old, boy, we really screw up our first kids and our last kids. Um, I don't know if you're old enough, you'll know, you'll know why, how we do that. Because the first ones, right, the first ones, it's like, this kid is going to be perfect. And, and mostly because this is going to be a reflection of me, so this kid's got to be perfect. And so we put so much on them, and it's so hard. And so when Courtney, who's my oldest, was in high school, the high school bus comes at 6.40. I mean, if Courtney missed that bus, one day there was heck to pay in the Eisman house. I mean, wailing, crying, screaming, gnashing of teeth. You get on that bus, you don't miss that bus. If you're not on that bus, that shows that you're not responsible. It shows that you disrespect me. You make sure you're out of this house at 6.30 and out there 10 minutes early so you don't miss that bus. This kid would cower if she missed the bus. Daddy... Did you miss the bus? Now, Caroline, my youngest, she's a junior in high school this year. Guess how many times Caroline has taken the bus this year to school? <laughs> it's a round number. <laughs> because the reason is, as I got a little older, I stopped and reflected and said, this is going by really fast. And if I could just get like 20 minutes a day extra, with this kid, it would be worth everything to me. See, I mean, I mean I, for me and my wife, 11 years ago, and this is just what I've learned in the last 11 years, 11 years ago, I thought my wife was there to meet my needs. I mean, I thought that was the deal, right? We got married because you completely, complete me. Didn't you see the movie, right? <laughs> and so the things that I need, you're supposed to provide. And over the last 11 years, God has done this revelatory work in my life where it's like, no. She's a human being that has given her life to you. Do you realize if you're married, somebody trusted you with their life, their heart? You ever stop and just reflect on that? Jeez. Apart from heaven, I'm not sure there is something more beautiful and meaningful than that. Maybe I should stop and just think about that for a little bit. I mean, what, about, what about yourself? What about your faith? The authors of the scripture over and over in various books in the Bible say this. Examine yourselves. See whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Don't you realize that Christ, Christ Jesus is in you? Don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Do what it says. The writer of Lamentation says, let us examine our ways. The psalmist wrote, I've considered my ways. Have you ever stopped and said, you know what? Is there any transformation in my life? Because I say I'm a follower of Jesus. But is there any change in my life? Now, a lot of people start to go, well, you know, they start listing kind of religious things. You want to test to see uh, if, if you're growing, if you're in the faith, if you're growing in the faith? How are you doing on loving people? How are you doing on forgiving people? Are people drawn towards you? Or is every other word out of your mouth a criticism? Are people that you've offended, have you gone to anybody and asked for forgiveness, even when you didn't feel like you had to? Have you loved the unlovely? Have you given anything sacrificially? Examine your, see, 95-year-olds look back and go, man, if I just had paused, everything might have been different. My family might have been different. My faith would have been different if I just stopped and looked. They said if they had to do it over again, they'd risk more. Because when you're 95, the things that you thought were such great successes, at 95 you go, I guess that really didn't matter that much. And all the things that you thought were such miserable failures aren't that bad in retrospect. And they look back and they go, man, I played it safe my whole life. My son Caleb modeled this for me so much this year. 
Caleb, it's funny because he, he just had to model it again for me this morning. Caleb does not like to be the center of attention. And he doesn't even like that I'm talking about him right now. On Christmas Eve, when you do five services, right, and you need volunteers for five services, Rena can testify. It's not easy to find volunteers for five services. So when you're the pastor's kid, you're an automatic volunteer. Um, and so Caleb had a choice. Now, just to give you some perspective on Kay. I gave Kay the choice. You could be one of the wise men up here in the light, or you could clean up the cow, uh, camel poo and uh, all the rest. Without blinking, he goes, camel poo, I'm on it. <laughs> Do not put me up front. I don't like being put up front and all the rest, right? And so um, uh, six months ago, Caleb, or maybe nine months ago, Caleb goes, I want to go study abroad. And I said, okay, I think that's a great idea. Where do you want to go? He goes, Australia. I said, Australia? That's the other side of the world. Well, who's going from Virginia Tech? Nobody. And I'm like, hey, you don't like this. This is like going to kick up your anxiety. This is a bad idea. Go find out where Virginia Tech people are going. Get in with a whole bunch of them and do that. No, I think I want to go to Australia. So he decided he was going to go to Australia. And then when he got to Australia, he didn't know anybody. He just showed up in Australia. I remember putting him on the plane. There's a picture on my Facebook picture, him walking off. He gets to Australia, and he starts meeting some people. But then he decides, you know what? I'm, I'm only going to be here a short amount of time. Everybody says that New Zealand's one of the most beautiful places on earth. I've got to go to New Zealand. I'm like, well, who are you going to go with? He goes, well, myself. Like, you're going to go to New Zealand by yourself. He goes, yeah, I'm going to go. So he, he went to New Zealand. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm just going to rent a car and drive around. So here's Caleb. He took his iPhone out and posted it here. This is Caleb in New Zealand um, looking at these mountains. Now, I don't know if you know, New Zealand is known to be like the outdoor adventure-like place on earth. Like if you like outdoor adventure sports, this is where you go is New Zealand. So this bridge here, um, this is the bridge where the concept of bungee jumping started. So Caleb figures, well, I'm on a roll. Um, you know, I'm pushing my boundaries. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go to the, that bridge. And so here's a picture of Caleb. Um, yeah, I watched the video about 10 times. Every time I watched it, I thought I was going to die myself. Um, there he is. Um, and so I learned a little bit about living and risk from watching what Caleb did this year. Now, here's the deal. I, I'm not telling you to go jump off a bridge. <laughs> but your mother's going to say, I told you. Remember, somebody told you to jump off a bridge. That's not what this is about. This is... This is about the fact that we play it so safe all the time. It's why getting, getting stuff is so dangerous. Can I tell you what the biggest danger is for all of us, especially here in Mendham Chester? You start out when you're 20-something years old, and you go, you know what? I got nothing to lose. I'll jump off a bridge. But when you start to get a little older, you start going, you know, I got some stuff, and I got some more stuff. And I just acquired a little bit more stuff. And we get it all, and we have to protect it. Jesus kept telling stories about this, Right? You build barns, and then you build bigger barns, but, but, but you're investing in the wrong place. And, and so think about it. We get to a certain point in life, and many of you are at this point. Can I just ask you to reflect on this? You get to a certain point where you have so much to protect, but right now you are at your maximum earning potential. You have the maximum wisdom. You have the maximum life knowledge, and you have the maximum influence in your life. And you know what? You're not going to use any of it because you're scared to death to take a risk. You're just going to get up tomorrow and go to a job you hate so you can keep preserving what you got. This is not what God has for you. Here's what I'll tell you. You can't actually even be a Christian without taking a risk. Because to be a Christian means that you get to a certain point in your life where you go, I'm not going to believe that I can save myself. I'm going to trust and rely and hope, believe that God's saving me. 
And when you get that, you rest in it. There's peace and freedom and joy. These 95-year-olds are looking back across time and saying, what are you doing with your one and only life? I mean, some of you have risked going to Guatemala. I know, look, I probably shouldn't tell you, but if you go on the, the internet, you could see Guatemala is somewhat of a dangerous place. Some of you figured that out, and you still went. 11 years ago, we were just starting this. We've now built hundreds of houses there. We've fed thousands and thousands of children because you were willing to take a risk. Imagine what the next 11 years could bring if as a community people, we all just said, you know what, I'm going to take a little bit of a risk. I'm just going to do something. I'm not going to play it all safe all the time. Where is God calling you? You just, I mean, we sing that song, Oceans. Oh, you call me out upon the water. I love that song. When's the last time you got out of the boat? (laughs) Crazy. These 95-year-olds realize the question isn't, did I win or did I lose, but did I try? I came across this quote this week. Let it haunt you a little bit today. For all the sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these. It might have been. And finally, these 95-year-olds said, if I had to do it over again, I would invest in something that lived beyond myself. What are you investing in with your life? Are you, I mean, what do you dream about? What are you hoping for? Is, are any of these things something that will live beyond your 80 or 90 years? What are you giving your time and your money and your energy and your dreams to? Jesus goes, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because moth and rust destroy them. Thieves stake, break in and steal them. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Invest in things here that will matter there. Anybody ever seen a movie about Schmidt with Jack Nicholson? The, the, the opening of it is just so fascinating because he has this whole corporate career and he finally retires and uh, he leaves and he, he's like, well, they must need me. You know what? Maybe I'll go back to the office and help the guy that took my place. And he goes back to the office and the guy's like, no, I'm good. Don't need you. I'm fine. Thanks. And uh, as he walks out of the building, he's kind of depressed by that and he gets outside and all of the stuff from his office that he had left so neatly for the guy that was going to follow him was in a dumpster. I'll never forget my friend Eric Muchmore. He's your head elder. He told me the story of when his parents moved out of the house. I've told this story before, but I can't forget it. His parents moved out of their house. It was time for them to move to a retirement community. And uh, Eric walked his dad and mom out of the house the last time, and they had a huge dumpster in the, in the driveway, like many of us do when we're moving out of a house. And uh, as Eric was taking his mom and dad, they were very elderly at this point, to the car, Eric's dad st- stopped and paused and looked at the dumpster. And uh, Eric goes, what's the matter, dad? And uh, he looked at it, and there was a stereo cabinet in there. Remember stereo cabinets, if you're old enough, right? Um, you know, you didn't have, have it in your phone. You had a piece of furniture that contained it. And uh, the stereo cabinet was on its side, sticking out of the top of the dumpster. And Eric looked at his, Eric's dad looked at Eric's mom and said, for 55 years, you wouldn't let me put a drink on that thing, and now look at it. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. What are you investing in? I mean, it's all going in the, the dung heap of history. I mean, I'm not trying to depress you, but... <laughs> some of these things are grand, right? I think God is calling some of you. You have the, the intelligence and the resources to change parts of the world. It doesn't even take... It, it doesn't take... I mean, do you guys know Corey and Fred? They were here this morning. I asked them if I could share their story. If you're not friends with Corey and Fred Robbins on, on Facebook, go and... 
like their page or go look at their page. This week they celebrated the adoption of their second foster child. This is a special needs little boy that they got. And uh, it was just these great pictures of this whole family at the courthouse choosing a special needs kid to adopt. And I just commented on, on their thing. I said, Jesus is smiling over this. But it's, it's small things, you guys. It's small things. You can do it. You can do it. Don't, these 95-year-olds are going, go invest in something that's going to last longer than your life. My wife, 11 years ago, was a, an emergency room nurse. Now, you would think that would qualify you to be a school nurse. But she wasn't. She had to go back for all the schooling because she wanted to be a school nurse because she felt as if she could invest in the kids. And she was telling me this week, she didn't know I was talking about this, but she was telling me this week, a little kid came in her room. He's five years old. And uh, he had been a... Um, I can't remember the name. Uh, uh, he was mute. He was mute based on what had happened in his life. And he had gotten this new foster mother. And the foster mother had loved on the kid so much that now they can't talk, get the kid to stop talking. And so this little five-year-old boy comes in her, her room, and he had, um, he had uh, gone to the bathroom in his pants. His pants were soaked, which is, you know, what happens at school a lot. And so he came in, and he, he, Joan gave him a new pair of pants, but he was very specific about what kind of pair of pants he wanted because he wanted it to match the same pair he had. And uh, Joan was like, well, this is what I have. And he puts on this pair. And Joan goes, okay, I'm going to put the other pair in a plastic bag and send it home with you for mom. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Why not? No, I can't. Yeah, I can't bring that home. I can't bring that home. I can't bring that home. And he started crying. And Joan's like, what's the matter? And she's like, the kid was like, I can't bring that home to my mom. I can't because of what had happened in his, his growing up formative years. And Joan said, you know, it's okay. Mom will understand. And the little boy goes, you know, I can't. And he left. Joan called the teacher who called the foster mom. The foster mom got the little boy on the phone, and uh, day was over, and in marches this little five-year-old into Joan's office on Friday and looks at her and goes, I talked to my mom, and she said that accidents happen sometimes. I'll take my pants. I went home. What are you dreaming about? Would you be willing to invest in something that might live on just a little bit longer than you? Read a good quote this week. I've learned that people will forget what you said. You might remember January 13th after this. But people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. As the band comes forward, I know yesterday was January 12th. I know all the stats say that you've given up, that you're done, that you can't do it, that this year is going to be the same as next year. Can I ask you to go home and write three things on a little sheet of paper and say to yourself, what is one thing I can do to reflect more? What is one thing I can do to risk more? And what is one thing I could do where I would be investing in something that would last beyond my lifetime? It's not too late do you want to know why? Because it's only January 13th. It's only January 13th. Let's stand and close the song.